Gospel of John, chapter 6. Once again, I do apologize for the technical difficulties, but uh, we're going to work to get that fixed. And so um, you just have to indulge with us for one weekend. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter number 6, and we'll start reading at verse 22. Are you there? And it reads, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. For the Son of God, or Son of Man, will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and to teach us today. God, we're eager and we're ready to learn. Father, we understand the times that we're in. And God, we know that even though life and the challenges that we face as Christians as Christians has intensified, we thank you that your anointing will intensify to give us the ability and the power to make a difference. And God, that's what we're aiming to do today. So baptize me afresh. Use me. Use these lips of clay. Uh, Lord, I want to speak life to your people today. God, I pray that you would take my mouth, take my heart, take my mind, every part of me, and speak through me, God. Use me for your own glory. And Father God, we declare that you will get the glory because you and you alone are worthy. We love you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. We are beginning a brand new series today entitled, When to Christ. That's W-I-N, the number two, Christ. This month, we will be talking about evangelism. This will be a month where we will focus our energies and our, uh, all of our faculties on reaching those that God has put into our path. And so uh, I understand, and you understand as a Christian, that the message of Christ is under attack probably now more than any other time in history. Many are saying that the message of Jesus is outdated, the culture, as you can see, is more boldly 
taking a stand against the clear teachings of Scripture like we have never seen before. The intensity of Christian persecution around the world and even beginning to uh, arise up in our country is, is, um, is rising, but not only around the world, but the persecution for being a Christian is even coming at our doors. And the reality of it is, as we move further toward Christ, um, toward his coming, we understand that these times will be more challenging. But one of the things I love about the Bible is that the Bible is a prophetic book. One of the things I love about my God is that he has given us a preview. He's told us that as it draws nearer and nearer to his coming, that men would hate us. The Bible makes it clear that the times that we face, that the message of Christ will be rejected more and more. So I'm not, I'm not to the point where I am discouraged. The Bible says when you see trouble, when you see problems, when the Bible says you see these signs, look up because your redemption draws nigh. How many know that Jesus is on the way? He's coming back. The king is coming back. And so the word of God gives us perspective. He told us what we're up against. He told us how the Satan will do everything in his power to silence us. Indulge with me for a moment. But if I was Satan, here's what I would probably do. I would work real hard to force Christians to keep quiet and not share their faith. If I were Satan, I would establish laws to make it hard or more challenging to even mention the name of Jesus. If I were Satan, I would provoke church members to divide and tear each other down. If I were Satan, I would promote the idea of question authority. How many know that Satan was kicked out of heaven for his rebellion? He was kicked out of heaven because he thought he was better. He was kicked out of heaven because he was rebellious. How many know the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft? God has given us authority to protect us. Authority is to be respected. If I were Satan, I would intimidate Christians to water down the gospel until you don't know any difference between the gospel and every other thing everybody is preaching. If I was Satan, I would promote the idea that all roads lead to God. Because after all, I don't want you to come to I don't want you to receive Christ. So I want you to know that that doesn't really matter. All roads lead to God. If I were Satan, I would lure preachers to preach a gospel of materialism. That people want more of the stuff than they want of Jesus. So I understand, and I said all that to say, that Satan, that this battle 
for the souls of men. And this is what we must understand what we're dealing with. You have enlisted in a war whereby we are battling for the souls of men. And if you don't understand that, you'll lose your way from time to time. See, the stokes of see, evangelism must always be in the forefront of everything we do. Church, are you listening to me? Say amen. The reason why we gather, the reason why we are still here today, the reason why Jesus says, I'm going up and I'm coming back for you, the reason why he left us here, make no mistake about it. It is so that we can proclaim to a dying world the message that Jesus and Jesus alone saves. He saves. That's why we're here. We're here. That's why you're getting this word this morning. That's why we do Bible study. We, we, we said in Bible study the other day that you're doing one or two things as a Christian. You're either being equipped or you're equipping others. You're either being equipped or you are equipping somebody else. You know, it, 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 uh, it, it's not, you know, it, you can get, how many know you can get so much word, hey, but so much word, you can get the word is the word, amen? You know, some of us got more revelation than we can shake a stick at. But how many know that the word is meant to be dispensed? And if, if, if listen, if you just keep getting the word and you're not reproducing listen to me, reproducing, then there's something that you're missing in your spiritual growth. Because what happened is, if you're just getting the word, you'll explode and you'll pop and you'll disintegrate. You won't really make a difference. And then you'll get bored. But you'll never get bored when you're reproducing. When you're being able to see a life change, somebody who's hooked on drugs, sleeping on the street, a prostitute, a drug addict, a family that is in shambles, when you see God's glory change a life, that never gets old. Never gets old. And some of us, and listen, some of us who've been saved for a while, we get a little bit bored, and I believe sometimes, because we've kind of lost our way. Because part of your spiritual growth is reproducing. Reproducing. I'm going to show you that in a moment. You see, you see, it should, it, listen, how many know that, and I take the responsibility as a pastor that, that it's up to me to give vision and direction to the church. I get it, and I, I wear that responsibility all the time. But do you not know that it's not just my responsibility to grow the church? Listen to me. You should be just as offended if there's an empty seat beside you than I am. Because the more people we reach, the more people filling chairs means the more people get exposed to the gospel. But guess what, church? That's not just pastor's responsibility. How many know that's all our responsibility? We all have a role in this. We all ought to be out there saying, look, I need you to, to hear this glorious gospel. Good news. Jesus saves. And I understand that the attacks are historic in our world today. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's what I see and I understand. That the opportunities now to share our faith and, and, and to bring people to the kingdom, the opportunity is great. How many know there's a big need for it? Listen, we need to get motivated. 
when we talk about evangelism and reaching souls, you ought to be as excited about that as you are excited about God blessing you with a new car. You ought to be more excited. Are you hearing me? Amen. We get excited. We jump up and down our head, hit the roof, and God bless us with a house. But, but the Bible said there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. There's a party. Every time somebody comes into the kingdom, there is a party. And there need to be a party. We, every one of us in this room, ought to be working for a party. Every week, when somebody gives their life to Christ, I don't care what you're doing, let the chicken in the oven burn. Somebody just got saved. Hold up, wait a minute. Everything stops. Because this is why we do what we do. Oh, it's not just about you. It is for, it is, it's, it's you and beyond you. Jesus is after the world. How many know hell is real? If you don't believe me, go back and read the gospel. Jesus talked an awful lot about hell. I know today, if, oh, I forgot this. If I was saying, I would, I would tell people that there is no hell. I mean, no, there's a, a lot of people out there that believe there is no hell. And Jesus talked about hell a lot. The Bible says in, in Isaiah, I believe, in chapter 5, it says that hell has enlarged itself, not because God wants them to go there, but because people are lost. I want you to think while I'm preaching about people that you work with, people that you love, people that you have relationships if they do not know Jesus, then hell is their destination unless the glory of God turned them around. How many know Jesus can do that? I want you to begin to pull up a list. And, and listen, I want you, before I get into the text this morning, I want you to develop a list of people and I want you to pray for them. People in your neighborhood, people on your job. I want you to pray for them and, and believe God for their salvation. Because hear me, hear me, hear me. Jesus, this is the heart of Jesus. This is his heart. If you want to make Jesus proud, how many want to bless God? How many of you say, Jesus has been good to me? If he's been good to you, then give him back somebody. Give him witness. Go tell somebody. Tell somebody. Listen to me. Don't hold this thing to yourself. Listen, I know your knowledge. I know you're smart. I got it. But whose life are you changing? Who is being transformed because of you? Who can anybody? I'm asking you the question. Don't answer me. Just think. Ask yourself, am I contributing to anybody else's coming to Christ? Am I equipping somebody? Whose life am I pouring into? What am I doing? Who's, who, who, what, what? Because this is what we do, why we do. Church, this is, this is it. It's not rocket science. You go to church by winning souls to Christ. That's how many know that's an age-old thing, and it will never, ever change. But how many know that effective, effective evangelism begins with us, you, the individual? Now, let me, let's take you to a couple of verses. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. I didn't lose anybody, did I? See, my assignment today is to call us back to a place where we get passionate about evangelism. Amen. Passionate. That, 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 that's what's motivated us because how many know that Satan will work you over time? 
I, I know the devil. I know the devil in my life. I know I'm, listen, I'm the pastor of the church. Don't mean nothing. I get the same tax and even greater attacks. And the enemy is always trying to work in my life to keep me preoccupied from doing what I want to do. Keep me busy. Keep me all just all this stuff, worried about this. And here it is, somebody sitting right beside me on the airplane, and there's an opportunity, and I don't want to be bothered. Because I want my space. I'm talking about me now. I can talk bad about me all I want to. You can't do nothing about it. I won't talk bad about you. I'll talk bad about me. So I know how the enemy does. He want to keep you so bogged down with stuff that, that you don't have time. You ever heard that? I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm busy. Well, how many know that the priority of the kingdom, the only reason you're breathing on this earth is because that's supposed to be it. We are reproducing and sharing. In John chapter 12, verse 32. I don't think I'm going to keep it long, I don't think. John chapter 12, verse 32 says this. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, watch this, and I, and if I be lifted up, I will draw from the earth will draw all peoples to myself. Let me read that again. John 12, 32. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples, watch this, to myself. So then, let's ask the question. How is Jesus going to draw all people to himself? Think about it. He said, if I be lifted up, Jesus left. He said, now, I'm going to send you a comforter. He said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to empower you. How many know God didn't just send you the Holy Spirit so you can get goosebumps? God didn't just give you the Holy Spirit so you say, whoo, 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 I felt him. Hallelujah. God gave you the Holy Spirit so that you can preach the gospel. Good God, so that somebody can get delivered. You see how we got this thing all mixed up. So Jesus said, so how is it that he said, when I be lifted up, I'm going to draw all men unto myself. He's going to do that. Watch this. He's going to do that through you and me. That's why the Bible calls you a co-laborer. Jesus, he said, I'm I'm not going to let you by yourself. Thank God. Aren't you glad that he ain't leaving me by myself? Oh, God, I would cause a lot of accidents. I would wreck a lot of stuff. You too. Thank the Lord he ain't leaving us by. He said, I'm going to give you a comforter. He will be with you. But your job, you got to get to work. You got to go. You got to go. He says, now watch. Now, Paul gave, I love the Apostle Paul. Paul gave us some insight into this when he said this. Look at this. This is a Philippians chapter 1, verses Uh, 19 and 20. You can write these verses down if you don't have time or if you can't read it. Um, Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Watch this. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Come on, look at the neighbor and say, what you're going through is going to turn out for your deliverance. So you ought to highlight that right there. Hold on to that one right there. That's, That's just for somebody. The Lord told me to stop and say that. All right. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Watch this. Now, you got to understand something. The Apostle Paul is writing the book of Philippians while he's in jail. All right. He's in prison. 
for a crime he did not commit. He ain't murdered nobody. He just preached. He's on lockdown. And here's what he says. He said, and here's what he says. He says, but I shall, in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, good God, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. Somebody got to get excited with me. He says, whether by life or whether by death. So here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, when Jesus says, I'll be lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw all men unto me, he's going to do that through you. And Paul says that no matter what I'm going through, I'm locked up, I get persecuted, life is hard. He said, but now more than ever, Christ will be magnified in my body. In other words, when you see me, you're going to see Jesus no matter what you do to me. See, that's why we got to work hard to get rid of that unforgiveness. That's why we got to work hard to get rid of bad attitudes. That's why we got to work hard to be kind, to be loving. Why? Because I want Christ to be made manifest in my life. You see, see look, at it, look at it this way. You see, our ability and the effectiveness of what we do is largely dependent on how much Christ is living through you. Amen. Listen to me. You can go out and you can preach that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, but if you ain't walking in that, you lose weight. You lose credibility. You hear me? So you can't go and preach something you're not living. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. You can't preach what you're not walking out. You see? So, so, so Paul said here, Paul said, I'm declaring, he said that no matter what, that Christ will be exalted in my body. I'm, all, I'm locked up. It's hard for me right now, but you know what? It ain't going to change my character. It ain't going to change who I am. I'm going to make sure that when you come into contact with me, you see Jesus. When folk come into contact with you, what do they see? When you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see Jesus being exalted or do you see something else? Do you see Jesus and a whole lot of other stuff? Then how many know you need to get clean? Come to the altar, get baptized, get washed. Christ will be exalted in my body. So then, if Christ, listen to me, effective evangelism, listen, it starts with Jesus being exalted in your body. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. The essence of true evangelism is I can change stuff because I've been changed. How many know that when you've been changed, stuff around you start to change? You know, if you're saved and folk around you ain't saved, and if you're walking right, they'll say, excuse me for what I just said or did. Excuse me, I didn't mean that because I know you're a godly man. I'm sorry. If people are very comfortable cussing around you, talking about their adultery, their sin, and all their stuff, if they're comfortable with that, then you need to go check yourself. You need to, you need to say, whoa, 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 what's up with this? Some, some, I'm sending a wrong message? Something is not coming out of this thing the way that it should? Because how many know that holiness demands respect? Mm. Holiness, godliness demands respect. When you walk with God, good God, you walk with your head up. You demand respect because you have all the authority of heaven behind you. Christ is magnified in your body. 
I live for Christ. And when you see me, when you get into contact, when you look, when you brushed off on me, listen, I can say this with boldness. Follow me. Not because I'm perfect, but because I walk with God. I walk with God. I'm not perfect, but I tell you one thing you will say about pastor, that man walk with God. I make sure to keep my life right in that regard. Listen to what I'm trying to say. Listen to what I'm trying to say. You see, the enemy of our souls, how many know he's an enemy? You have an enemy of your soul. The enemy of your soul works overtime. He works overtime to remind you of your past. He works overtime to, to try to keep pulling you back to old things. He don't want you to get free. Come on, somebody. The enemy wants to keep pulling you back into the ideals of this world, but you got to listen. You got to be like the doctor when the baby come out of the womb, cut the umbilical cord and walk away. You got to do it. You got to do it. So now, if Christ is exalted in my body, watch this. Now I'm in position. See? I'm in position now to make a difference. Now watch. Let's keep going. Now look at, look at this uh, verse here in John chapter 6. I got to do this in a few minutes. Uh, John chapter 6. Understand something in John chapter 6. Let me give you a little bit of backdrop. Jesus had did a miracle. Amen? He, did a, he fed 5,000 people with how many fish and how, many, how much bread? Anybody know? Who know the word in here? Two fish and what? Uh -huh. And he fed how many people? I'd say that qualifies as a miracle. I would say that's a miracle, wouldn't you? People had just, the day before, had experienced a miracle where Jesus blessed them. And then the next day, they went looking for Jesus. Because, you see, Jesus was their meal ticket. You see, oh, Jesus. See, they're ready. They're forcing to be king. They were ready. I mean, Jesus now is useful because Jesus, I, I, I needed some food and you took care of me. Stay with me. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch. So Jesus said, watch this. So let's look at this verse 26 and 27. I want to dissect this just a little bit. I want you to think. We're going we're gonna to think this morning. Is that okay? And Jesus said to them, and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, come on church, not because you, want, you saw the signs, hear me, but because you ate of the loaves and you got filled. Which, by the way, is the wrong reason to seek him. Hold on, hold a thought. I'm going to show you here in a moment. He said, do not, do not, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now let's take it from up, from the bottom up. So what does it mean when it says God the Father has set his seal on him? See, what this means is that Jesus has fully qualified, he has fully qualified to take away our sins. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the God incarnate. He is the key. Listen, he has authority to give life and to take it away. Well, pastor, that's heresy. Show it to me in the word. Well, John, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 5, verse 21 and through 23. Are you ready? For watch this. For as the Father raises the dead and give life to them, y'all still with me? Even so the Son give life to whom he will. How I many know that's what I call power? 
For the Father judges no one, watch this, but has committed all judgment to who? That all should honor the Son, what? Just as they honor the Father. See, in most religions in the world, you know, you never, ever, ever, ever try to make yourself equal with God. You know, that's why Jesus was killed, by the way. He said, you yourself, you're a man making yourself to be God. That's blasphemy. You're going to die. Jesus, no, no. Jesus, no. You give me the same honor you give to God. Because I got authority from God to give life and to take it away. And by the way, uh, all judgment going to come my way. Somewhere in the Bible it said that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is good God, Lord. I'm on this good God thing today. It just sounds good. I don't know why I'm doing that today. Jesus is Lord, which means that he is supreme. God has set his seal on him. This is God's approval. God says, this is the one. Hear him. Hear him, Jesus. This is the one. Not everybody else. Not all the other gods. All the other folks who come around and say, I got the way to God. No, no. Jesus got up from the grave and proved to everybody that he is the son of God. He is the king of glory. He is the perfect sacrifice. So God has set his seal on him. Just why Jesus said something crazy. Y'all know what Jesus said that was crazy? He says, I am the way. He didn't say I am a way. Come on. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Okay, then I, I, what do you want me to do? He said, I am the way, the truth, and like, he said, nobody. What does nobody mean? Nobody. I thought y'all would say that. No, nobody come to the Father except to who? Me. He said, I'm it. You can't get to God unless you got to come through me. Why? Because God has set his seal on me. I'm the anointed one. I'm it. Good God. That sounds good, doesn't it? He says, now watch this, verse 26. He says, now, you seek me, watch this now, you seek me not because you saw the signs. See, see, see you heard me say this before. Many people want, uh, they, they, they want the crumbs on the, on the master's table, but they don't want the master. You've heard me say that before. See, what Jesus was saying is, see, you're here running behind me. You want me not because you realize who I am, if you didn't see the sign, you don't understand. You don't understand. It's me. I'm the Savior. You don't understand. It's not about the food. Oh, God, hear me. Hear me. It's not about, listen to me. Are y'all still listening to me say amen? He said, he said look, y'all, y'all running behind me because y'all don't, y'all don't understand. That it, it's, not about, it's not about the food. I'm, I bless you with food. Food is nothing to me. I make food. I give food. I created earth. I created everything. That's nothing to me. He said, he said, see, they're more about the product than they are the person who made the product. You follow me? He said, so y'all were seeking me because you didn't understand who I was or who I am. I'm God. I am Jesus. I'm your Savior. I am, listen to me, I am everything. I'm the one that gave it to you. Here's, here's why I say this. Thank God. How many know this? Part of our Christian duty is to be a blessing to people. Amen? Part of our Christian duty is to help the hungry, to feed the poor, to do all those things. But you know what? Our job is incomplete if you don't attach Christ to it. Because all you did was gave them a temporary something. But if their souls is not redeemed, they're going to end up in the same place. Are you hearing me? Listen to me. 
Go out there, bless the poor, but will you please give them something about Jesus? Because you haven't done anything yet until they get that. Because Jesus said, I came to give you life. So listen to me. I will bless you. I will share. I don't do anything. Everything I do, I attach Christ to it. Why? Because I believe that he is the only thing that can save a person. He's the only thing that can help somebody. So why, so why would I give you an apple? Why am I going to give you food and I don't tell you about the one who is the author of the food? Come on, somebody. Why, why would I do that? See, Jesus says, y'all are seeking for me. But he said, but John, you need to go deeper. He said, there's something here that you need. There's something here that you want. You see, the problems of our world and the troubles of our world can be all drawn. Listen, it can all go right back to the fact that men of this world have been divorced of God. All pain, suffering, whatever it is, here's the root problem. How many know you got to deal with the root problem? The root problem is they don't know God. So my job in is I got to make them known. I want to make Christ known because that's my duty. Jesus said to them, don't just come for food. He said, he said it's a, I'll feed you, but understand that I'll give you more than a bacon sandwich. I'll give you more than a pancake. Amen? Amen. I'll give you more than chicken. I love chicken. I'll give you more than chicken. I made the chicken. You need to seek me. You need to come to me because then you'll really get free. You'll get out of this place. You'll come out of this dark place that you're in. You'll come up off them drugs. You'll come up off those addiction. You'll come up off of that when you get a revelation of who I am. And then you'll realize, wow, 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 wow. Look at this. Wow, wow. How many of you, when you got saved, your eyes were open? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Man, you saw birds like you never seen them before. The sky, you never seen them. You didn't know the sky was that color. You didn't know the mountains were that pretty until you got saved. Because you got redeemed. I got to keep running. Here we go. He says, watch. How many know too many people today are seeking Jesus for the things? They're seeking Jesus for the things. Oh, God, I want Jesus, but I just, I just, I just want, I want, I want, you know, I, I need to get my rent paid. I can't tell you how many phone calls we get from the church. I mean, I also, I also just one Sunday, just bring it here and play it so you can hear it, because nobody will believe me. Then we get messages all the time. People go, bring, feed my, I, I pay my rent. Pay my mortgage. I don't know these folks. <laughs> I pay my, my kidney food. I mean, I, I mean, all the time. Listen to me. I'm not making light of that because needs are real. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is that they think that all they really need is food. They need more than that. And it's up to you to tell them. If you give them a biscuit and you don't tell them about Jesus, shame on you. Keep some tracks handy. We got a whole bunch of tracks. Crystal, do we have tracks at the table? We got tracks at the table so you can grab some and put it in your pocket. If you're going to give them something, just attach this to it. You need to know Jesus because he's going to help you. It ain't about the food. I'll give you the food, but you need to know him. Jesus says, what shall a prophet of man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? What is a prophet of man if, listen to me, if people get all the material things they can get, and if they don't know Jesus, they all end up in the same place. Jesus said this in verse 27. Labor, watch this. Y'all still with me? Say amen. I'm, I'm coming down. I'm coming down. I'm, I'm, uh, this, this is the first warning. I'm on the airplane, 
And I'm telling you to put up your seat trays and put your seat up. I'm about to land this thing. Amen. Uh, it says in verse 27, labor for the food that endures to life. Good Lord. What does it look like to labor for food that endures to eternal life? Watch this. Here's what it looks like. The value of the things of this world go down and eternity moves up. Colossians 3 says, since you then have been risen with Christ, watch this, seek those things which are above. How many of you have been risen with Christ? Set your affections. What are you affectionate about? You see, you see when, when you labor for the food that endures to life, here's what it looks like. You won't be driven by big pay. Come on. You won't be driven by your lust for retirement. I mean, first of all, I ain't looking forward to no retirement, getting old and sitting in no rocking chair. The devil is a liar. People work. I mean, I'm like tripping. I can't wait till I retire. What, what are you going to do? See, you won't be driven. You see, when, when, when you're laboring for the food that is up there, you won't be driven by big pay. You won't be driven by your lust for retirement or positions of power or your lust for the weekends off. Some people, all they live for, You'll be driven by your love for him. You see, when you labor for the meat that don't perish, you, see, that's your food. You, you follow? You see, you see, you see him as your bread. Jesus said, in, Jesus said that I am in John 12, 32, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger again. He who believes in me shall never thirst. How can Jesus make such a statement? Think about it. He said, if you believe in me, if you see me as treasure, See, see, some of us need a revelation. God, help me to see you for who you are. He says, when you see me as treasure, when you see me as the bread of life, you'll eat. He said, when you eat me, when you, when you eat me, you'll get real satisfaction. Mick Jagger, there it is. I can't get no satisfaction. There it is. Some of y'all don't even know what that, that song was. On a couple of y'all knew what that was. I can't get no satisfaction. See, that was right there. Somebody snatched the mic from him and said, well, let me preach to you right now, brother. I'm about to bring it right to you. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you eat him, you'll never hunger. You'll never thirst again. You see, you're driven. You're driven by your lust for him. See, you got to see him as more important than anything. Listen to me, church. How many know treasure is treasure? It is what it is in your eyesight. See, when you see it as precious, you respond to it that way. I know that he's the bread of life. He said, if you eat me, I'll satisfy you. I'll satisfy you. No wonder why sometimes the church is anemic when it comes to bringing people into the kingdom. Because we keep feeding them stuff that ain't going to satisfy them. We keep giving them chicken. We keep giving them money. We keep trying to come up with all these different things, but we never bring them to Christ. And so there they go. It's like this cycle. They're right back again. It's like this vicious cycle. They never get it. Ever learning, as the scripture says, but never coming to a knowledge of truth. You see? So he says, now watch this. Don't labor for that which perishes. Now, somebody would say, well, Pastor, there it is. That means that I should quit work. Because God don't want me laboring for food, right? No, that's not you know, that's, that's when you got to talk to people because you never know. But if you, <laughs> now, the Bible 
is loaded down with scriptures about work. The Bible says, scripture says, a man don't work, y'all not eat. It also says, in just an example, Ephesians 4.28, I brought a verse with me just in case somebody tried to run with that. Let him who stole steal no longer, but let him labor. Everybody say, labor. God rewards labor. So he's not saying, he's not saying that we don't labor, we don't take care of our families, we don't do all the things. Yeah, we got to do all that. We're, we're called to do that. That's our responsibility. But, but, but here's what he's saying, though, that, that, that now you have an eternal perspective. That Christ is better than money, he's better than TV, he's better than everything. So when I labor, listen to me, I'm not going to labor for that which perishes me, that the things of this world, I'm not going to put all my affection in things that are temporary. How many know cars are temporary? Houses are temporary. You heard me say it before, I say it again. When I see funerals, when I see the big hearse, usually all the stuff, I never see all that stuff tagging behind the hearse. All the stuff they got, all them. I don't see that. I just see, the Bible says, Nikki, you came into the world, and then what? Nikki, you're going to go back. You're going back with your birthday suit. <laughs> Somebody just got that one. You're going back. So it's not, so my affections now is don't labor for that which perishes. All right? So it's not about, listen to me, for the Christian, hear me and understand what I'm saying. It's not about just, I want the American dream. No, my passion is I want what God wants. I'll, I'll, I'll be blessed. I'll, I'll, I'll make resources. I'll make money. I'll better myself. I'll take care of my family. But you need to understand what motivates me is pleasing him. That's what motivates me. Not all the stuff. Okay. Lastly, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, everybody knows this verse. I want you to, I wanted to hammer down into your spirit this morning. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. The first thing Jesus says is what? Watch this. Listen to me. Everybody, look up. Look up this way. You still listen? Say amen. He says, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make buddies. He didn't say go and make a lot of money. He didn't say go and just support every good cause. He says, go and make disciples. What should underscore us more than anything else is this issue of discipleship. That's our primary calling. That is, listen, no Christian is left out of that. You can't put yourself out of the loop. He said, go and make disciples. Disciple is a follower of someone else. A disciple is someone who believes and spreads the doctrine of another. How many know that we are called? Jesus, you go make disciples. Go, you go make disciples. And he says, teach them to observe. In other words, he says, everything that I've told you and how you live and how you walk in, go teach it to other people too. You do it. You do it. I do it. Then, then here's another promise he made. I like this. He says, and lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. See, the context of that verse is this. When you and I are serious about evangelism, and we're serious about making disciples, not just making friends, but making disciples, he says, I'm going to be with you. God will bless somebody that's committed to the salvation of somebody else. You, you, you want to get God on your side like never before? You want his blessing? You want his anointing? 
You want the goosebumps we talked about? Go share your faith. See somebody get transformed. Talk to somebody. Evangelize. Make disciples. And, and because, because he says, I'll be with you. See, now we got the incentive to preach. We got the incentive to go. So we're going to win people to Christ. We got to point people to him. How many know that it's all about Christ? I mean, th- this, is, it's, it's, this is all, everything we do. We got to point it right back there. If we don't point people there, we're incomplete. We haven't done a good job. So we do Mayfest. We do different events, pancake breakfast, and, and we have different things we do for the community, yard sales and all kind of stuff. Here's the key. We're doing all that. Make no mistake about it. For those of you who may want to sit out and say it's not important, here's one reason why we do. We, I'm telling you as the pastor, I'm going to tell you in my heart, right here, right now, so everybody can know. The only reason that we're doing that is we want to make Christ known. Okay? That's it. We're trying to figure out a way to lead people to Christ, to get them into these chairs so they can hear the gospel, whether in that parking lot or they come and sit here and hear it, because either or they got to get discipled. We want them transformed. I don't do anything just to be doing it. It's Christ or nothing. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're hearing this morning, everything we talked about, you heard me say it, It's about Christ. Jesus loves every one of us in here, but more importantly, he not only loves you, but he loves the people who are not sitting in the chair that that is next to you. He loves them. He loves the people out there. And he sent me this morning to remind you of your need for him. And if you're sitting here this morning and you have not, you have not, you know, you know in your own heart, I can't answer this question for you, but I want you right now to connect with Jesus. I want you to focus your attention on him right now. You're sitting here this morning, you say, Pastor, I I really don't know if I'm saved. I'm scared. If I die today, I'm scared. I'm not sure where I end up. I don't know. Pastor, can you help me? I want to be sure Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to. He died so you could spend life eternally with him, so you can live forever. His love, his love knows no bounds. You're sitting here today and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, Pastor. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of faking it. But I'm really ready to go all the way this time. If that's you this morning, slip your hand up. Don't be ashamed. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Anyone that Jesus ever called, he always called them publicly. If you're ready to make that decision today, you haven't. Let's slip your hand up this morning. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and and you realize that there have been some things God has revealed them to you that you haven't been as studious about the issue of evangelism as you should. Perhaps the Holy Spirit has even speaking to you right now. There have been several people that God has brought in your path 
that he told you to speak to and you didn't do it. You didn't do it. Maybe because you were didn't want to be inconvenienced. Maybe you had to get back home and cut the grass, cook dinner, and you missed an opportunity. There have been people on your job, people who are around you, people in your neighborhood that are broken. They're broken. They're broken. They're wounded. And they're looking for answers. And if you've missed those opportunities, I'm going to ask the Lord to give you another opportunity to reach that person. You've heard this morning the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Let's take a moment before we take communion and ask the Lord, Lord, is there anybody, God, that you want me reaching out to? God, is there somebody I missed? Please show me. Please help me. And then if God shows that to you, ask God for a second chance. He wants to give it to you this morning. And then recommit yourself to actively pursue the broken, the hurting, and the lost. And the broken and the hurting and the lost oftentimes more closer than you think. Father, hear their, hear their hearts this morning. God, I tried my best. I poured my heart as you gave it to me. I tried and I pray, God, I pray, I pray, I pray, God, that you would make your people passionate about evangelism. If you desire to God, if you desire, if you realize that, you know, God, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the passion for the lost and the broken like I should. I know I should be preaching the gospel. I know I should be making disciples, but but I've I seen, Lord, that other things have crept in into my life. The other things that are more important, I hate to admit it, but God, I got to be honest with you. I know I said that you're important, but my actions are saying something else. If that's you this morning, I just want you to stay right where you are. I'm not going to do an altar call, but I just want you to lift your hands. I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to close my own eyes. And I want you to lift your hands. And, and pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift of salvation. Lord Jesus, empower me to witness. Give me a passion for the lost. Break my heart for the wounded. Break my heart, God, that I might preach to the hurting, to the lost. Dear God, I'm reorganizing my priorities. I will no longer say you're most important. I will demonstrate it by proclaiming your love. Use me, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Just take a moment and reflect. And I'm going to ask the ushers to come up and prepare for communion.
to our feet please and uh, follow the directions of the ushers you'll take the communion cup you'll go back to your seats and then we'll take communion together remain standing if you will. I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. As you eat this bread, I want to remind you that you're becoming one with Christ in a very fresh way that this bread of life is your satisfaction. He is the one that makes you whole. If you feel empty inside this morning, let this be symbolic that you're being refilled right now. Father, we thank you for your broken body. Father, we eat this in faith, knowing that, Father God, that in you we have eternal life. Shall we eat together? same manner he also took the cup after supper and he said this cup is the new covenant the new covenant means it's a new testament it's a new covenant it means a new binding a new agreement that will last forever this is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's 
death till he comes. As we take this cup this morning, let it remind us of our sacred obligation to preach the gospel, to not only be equipped, but recommit ourselves to the process of equipping others. And I pray that God will empower you in a very fresh way to do exactly that. Father, we thank you for your blood that never loses its power. Father, touch every person. Empower every person. Let them reconnect with you in a fresh way. I pray for an evangelistic anointing and grace on every person under the sound of my voice. So we drink together. Just pass those toward the center of the aisle, and the ushers will collect those for you. Amen. Again, I want to remind you that uh, next week is our anniversary service, so I'm looking so forward to spending that time with you. Let's make it a very, very special time um, for all of us. And, uh, and also want to uh, remind you uh, that we do have some refreshments at the table. So stop on over and have some refreshments. And do me a favor, uh, encourage somebody. Talk to somebody that you didn't talk to last week, okay? Talk to somebody different. And be an encouragement to somebody, amen? Amen. Come on, give God a praise, if you will. <laughs> Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Now unto him who is able to empower us to witness and to lead others to the kingdom of God. To him be glory, dominion, and power. Bless the people, O God. I declare over this people today, God, blessing and Father God, grace and favor be upon this people. And God, empower every person under the sound of my voice to speak with boldness as Paul said Christ will be exalted in my body father be exalted in all of our bodies today bless us and keep us let us have a great week protect us from the dangers seen and unseen father I cover this people in prayer and I believe God that something wonderful is going to happen because father today we spend time in your glorious presence we love you and we praise you and all God's people said amen Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Water you turned into wine.